Papa was a rolling stone, and wherever he laid his hat was his home, but Papa never left his hat at my house, as if it were a war zone, and the battle far too dangerous. When I was younger, I never did wonder where Papa was. I just knew I looked like him. My mom would stare like she seen ghosts beside me, say if I looked just like my father, say I even act like him sometimes. Speaking as if it was a curse, but she wasn't wrong either. The only time I saw him was in pictures and mirrors. Yo, yo, what it is. My name is Jazir Willis. I am an Afrocensitive, Christ-centered activist, poet, dreamer, long life listener of those who have come before me. Welcome. And thank you for joining me on this episode of Reality Check to my friends, my folk, my family and everybody in between. We're talking about daddies and we're going to talk about mine today. Um, it's actually crazy because I just got back from spending time with my father this past week and I still kind of think of him as somewhat of a deadbeat. Um, and it's OK. I actually feel good about it because quite harshly he's just too late so on this episode we're going to talk about the young african-american boy who like me doesn't have a father but has a father figure or maybe he doesn't have a father figure but he believes in god who is his father or maybe he doesn't feel close enough to God to call him dad and he doesn't have a father figure so he reaches out and looks up to his pastor or his mentor or his friend's father who treats him like a son and I've been through all of this so I just really want to speak to that moment and, and, and how this poem that you just heard about 30 seconds of uh, really helped me um, in my process of suppressing these emotions for my dad and whom I love now. Um, and I have no resentment or no problems with him. But I want to speak to that young boy who is in the middle of releasing that thing. And and how this Papa piece was literally life changing. I mean, the moment that I stepped on stage and I, I gave life to the situation, I opened my mouth, the emotions that were hidden deep down inside of me that I didn't even know that was there, literally imploded in the atmosphere. And, you know, first when I began writing the piece, how those emotions that, you know, I did not know were there and that they were dead, they became alive and there was no resentment against my father. And there was no ill feeling toward him, but this piece literally became an ode to my mother. And that's how beautiful it was and how therapeutic this piece was to the point where my uh, old poetry coach, she goes, you know, this is a whole different piece. But I said, nah, this is my piece. This is my poem. And I owned it and it helped me. So, you know, I can talk about it and we will talk about it. We're going to break this poem down and build it right on up. So let's get it. Y'all ever seen that meme on Instagram where the guy is just kind of standing there disgusted like, yeah, OK. And then the headline says, 
when your dad comes back after 18 years talking about some, man, that Walmart line ain't no joke, son. Well, that was my life. <laughs> and it's, it's funny now because it really doesn't bother me at all. Mainly because of how I was raised by my mother. And really, uh, the, the beginning of the poem that you just heard in the beginning of this podcast, I really outlined how my mom didn't make it a big deal for me. She actually made it kind of funny. It, the part where I go, when I was younger, I never did wonder where Papa was. I just knew I looked like him. My mom would stare like she seen ghosts beside me. Now, and if y'all know anything about black mothers and their deadbeat baby daddies, when you coming down them steps and she's sitting on the sofa and she just look at you, mm, you look just like your daddy. And you look back. I ain't asked to look like him. I ain't do the dirt. So why I got to pay for it? And she say, boy, get out of my face. And you laugh because although you look like him, it's a reminder that you're not your father. And as funny as that may be, it has the capability to be that more destructive because in that moment, you realize that your father who hasn't been in your life for 18 years in the presence of your mother is a joke. But when you're alone or you're not with your mother, say you're in school and the principal reprimands you with the slightest bit of bass in his voice and you respond with so much aggression because you never had a man talk to you like that. Only your mom or your sister. And that's how I felt. Growing up without a father in my life, it really took a toll on my mental health and the synthesis of all the emotions that would transpire between me and other people. I mean, and those were real situations, whether I was coming down the stairs and my mom literally piercing my soul with her eyes because I looked so much like my dad and it became a joke or my principal who is reprimanding me and I, I'd lose it. And I respond with so much aggression because the joke that's with my mom is anguish with every other man. And I want to talk about how young boys like myself growing up have to deal with that type of suppressing of emotions and then releasing it in a different type of anguish toward every person that wants to be their father. Or it looks like that they're trying to fill that void and they're just simply not ready. And simply how I got ready, it was really comprised of three things. Um, it was number one, my optimistic view of mentors. Um, number two, prayer. And number three, the poetic experience was undoubtedly the greatest thing that ever happened to me to deal with this situation itself. Um, but first, let's talk about the optimistic view of mentors. Um, I got a funny story of how I ran into my mentor. So I was, I don't know, I was about 15 or 16. I think I was 15, but I was coming home from school 
and I was taking public transportation at the time. So I was getting off the train and I hear these men just talking about Jesus right on the microphone. They're like, Jesus will save your soul. And Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. So I'm like, yo, they sound dope. And I'm with my mans and I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm, I got to find out, you know, who is this? So I go up the escalator and I see this man in a suit and I, I, I directly I go to him. Right. Instantaneously. I, I approach him. I'm like, hey, brother, um, you know, I really like what you're doing here. Yada, yada. And then he goes, yes, sir. He goes, um, all praise be to the honorable Elijah Muhammad. I go, wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, and listen, I don't know y'all. I mean, y'all might be some of y'all might be NOI or, or Muslim. No disrespect, but it was simply it was the wrong thing. I'm like in my head. I'm like, oh, Lord, I ran into the wrong brother. And then, you know, I shake his hand and then I turn around and I see my then mentor, JC, and I go, hey, bro, I'm like, you Christian, right? And he goes, yes, man. He goes, we're Christian. Um, you know, we're not with them. We're, we're separate people evangelizing. Right. So um, I meet him and then we instantaneously we clicked off the bat and we um, we start chopping it up. We went out to eat that night, um, that evening, really. And then uh, we just spoke. We spoke plainly about the gospel we spoke plainly about um evangelism and at this time i have felt the call to preach but that's a different that's a way different conversation but um yeah and then th that in that moment he became my mentor um you know i would see him a couple days out of the week and we started a bible study with the book i forget the, the name of the author um the disciplines of a godly young man and within that book and just him and his person alone um, he was a manly man, you know, he, he had a beard, he was, you know, he was a little Aki, he was Aki, he was strong, and, you know, he just taught me the ropes, you know, I had the manners, the yes ma'am, the yes sir, already implanted within me from my mother and how I was raised, but he really walked the walk, and there was something about seeing a person that um, put their money where their mouth is, and that is really where my view, my optimistic view of mentors came. Um, number two, prayer was an all essential thing that was a part of my journey in releasing those emotions that had been attached to my spirit. Um, and, and, you know, I'm a Christian, so I believe that your walk with Christ is only as heavy and as deep as your prayer life. So I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, that the prayers didn't get frustrated because they did, you know, when you don't have a father or a father figure. And sometimes me and my mentor did not always agree on things. And it was hard to get down on my knees and um, be reverent to uh, God, who is my father and say, our father who art in heaven. You know, I'm calling this this spirit, this man, father. And my father figure is not acting like a father or my father himself is not in my life. So it's hard for me to connect to God in a way that would suggest that he is as caring as my blood father or my father figure when both of them have disappeared. So the prayer really looked like, God, I want to thank you. You know, I don't know what you're doing in the season of my life to where as the father figure you have placed in front of me isn't really acting like a father anymore. Or God, I don't feel as closely connected to you to where I could call you dad. 
But I know in your word where you say to me, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So why should I fear? Why should I keep on casting these emotions of fear and of doubt on myself? And as soon as I finished that prayer, as soon as I said, amen, that wall of separation had been broken. It was completely brought down because that faith that had risen out of those prayers, it destroyed all of those ill feelings of hatred and of abandonment and of remorse and resentment. And because I knew that those new emotions was placed in the hands of the eternal one, I could rest assured that they would not be shaken. And that is why prayer was totally essential to this journey of releasing those emotions. Man, if y'all let me preach about it, I will. But last, uh, but certainly not least, was the poetic experience. So at this point, I had been slamming for a while now. I was around the age of 17, and I was a part of this poetry collective called Philadelphia Youth Poetry Movement. I don't know, some of y'all might have heard of it, but their slogan was, we write life. And they would always say, before we make better poets, we make better people. And so um, they would come up with different topics for the slam each month and they would tell us to slam about it. So this topic for this month, I think it was like October. They were like, um, this is how deep it got. I remember it down to the month. God darn it. But um, um, they, were, they were like, you know, write about something that you don't want to talk about that is really hard for you. And I'm just remembering the thing that they that they did the workshop on was I know the episode of Will Smith when he like when his dad leaves and he's like, man, why he don't want me, man? Why he don't love me? Right. And then he goes off. Oh, yo, I just remember that that was not playing this podcast at all. I promise. But I just remembered that. And they played that. And that's what motivated me to do this piece. So it was like write about something that you never write about. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna write about my dad. So I get home and I think like the day before my mom was playing Papa Was Rolling Stone, the old song from the 70s. And then, you know, I get on my, my docs and I'm writing it. I'm like, you know what? Hmm. Papa was a Rolling Stone and wherever he laid his hat was his home. But Papa never left his hat at my house. And it was literally an experience from out of my life put on paper. So fast forward to the slam, my mom is there, my sisters are there, and then I get on stage and it's like, you know, it's any other, it's like any other slam. I get on stage, I take my deep breath, and I start doing the poem. I'm doing the poem, yada, 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 and I get to the part where I'm talking about my mom, and then I, I start snapping, like I start going off. And we have this thing, well, we had this thing in our culture where it would be, um, people would say, this is your breakout poem. Like as soon as you got hype and you really let go on the stage and you was really, when you, when you became a better person, you became a better poet. So they would, they would say, this is your breakout poem. This is the poem that made you a better person. This is the poem where you're able to display all of your emotions on the stage and leave them there. So I got to the part about my mom where I say, um, can't you tell she was both mom and dad? How she loves like Cupid and lifts like Hercules. She'll bring home the bacon and cook it. So if you hear the, the video feedback, my friends are going off. But at that moment, I was losing myself. And in that, 
I was finding myself. And the, the words became real to me. They were so profound in the moment that I let go all of the, those emotions and I left them on the stage. And when I got done, you know, my mom at the end of the video, she's like, that's my baby. That's my boy. And, you know, my friends are hugging me They're like, yo, this is it. This is it. This is your breakout poem. And then I was like, you're right. It was my breakout poem. And then my dad ended up seeing it. You know, fast forward, my dad ended up seeing it. And then I was okay with it. I didn't feel bad at all. I was like, this is my breakout poem. These are my emotions. These are my feelings. And I'm not ashamed. And since that day, I never felt a way about my father again. Not only did it teach me how to release my emotions in the presence of hundreds of other people, but it gave me a real sense of reality. I guess you could say I had a reality check. It gave me a chance of reflection to look at myself and to say, although you faced all this adversity, you still came out strong. You still came out on top of the world. And yeah, there you have it. Papa was a rolling stone. A stone that I was never able to catch until I crushed it. And it became my friend. Yup. And just like that, you finished the first episode of Reality Check. I guess there's only one thing left for me to do, and that's to actually do the poem. <laughs> I mean, hey, if you didn't check it out um, on my Instagram, you can go to and head there. It's Jazir Willis on Instagram. I'm pretty sure I released it at this point. But um, stay tuned. And here's the poem. <laughs>